Good evening and good evening to you. I welcome you again to our Bible study for this week. If you're joining us for the first time, let me mention to you that our church, Zion Hill Church family, we have been studying the entire Bible. We started out from Genesis, and we have been moving and moving up every week. Today, we're going to be looking at the book of Ecclesiastes. That's the book we are on right now. I hope you're ready to study your Bible. Get your Bible out. Get ready to be blessed. I'm telling you, I love to talk with you about the Word of God. Somebody said, is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my pathways. The Bible is very profound. So I thank you for joining us today, and I'm excited about what God's going to do. What can we say about the book of Ecclesiastes? Number one, you need to know this book is one of the three books of wisdom in the Bible. Theologians believe that the book of Job and the book of Proverbs and the book of Ecclesiastes, those three books are books of wisdom. So I encourage you to to invest the time to study all three books. Now, they all come from different perspectives. That's what makes it a must-read for all three books. You recall when we discussed the book of Proverbs, the book of Proverbs basically said, in a nutshell, that if you or me or all of us, if we get wisdom, we're going to succeed. That's the bottom line, in a nutshell. That's what we learn from the book of Proverbs. That if you really want to succeed, which is a big question in the mind of everybody. Everybody wants to succeed. Everybody wants to be victorious. Nobody wants to be a drag. Nobody wants to be a failure. And here comes the book of Proverbs. In fact, the Bible described that book not only as a book of wisdom, but it's like a woman going on the street. And then the Bible says, anybody with wisdom needs to chase that sister wisdom and learn from her and, and grab some nugget from her and live by her teaching. So the essence of the book of Proverbs is to say, if you get wisdom, you're going to make it. You're going to succeed in life. Now we come to the book of Ecclesiastes. Guess what that book says? He said, wait a minute, time out. Not so fast. Just because you get wisdom, that don't mean you're going to make it. Whoa. Now you say, wait a minute. I thought Proverbs said, if I get wisdom, I'm going to make it. Well, Ecclesiastes is saying, I wish I can tell you that's always the case, but the reality is that there are many people who are wise, but they still don't make it. 
Now you need to know where this book of Ecclesiastes is coming from. The first thing I need for you to know is that it is written by Solomon. King Solomon, if you remember, is the wisest man on earth during his days. The Bible said God gave him wisdom from above and he was able to dominate the earth. So wisdom that we're talking about from Ecclesiastes is written by Solomon, a king, and now he's in his old age. And basically Solomon was reflecting. You know how you take an inventory of life? I've been doing that myself lately. You see, when I hit the age 60, I'm more than 60 now, but by the time I, I got to 60, I began to reflect about life. I began to really look at life in a different way. I began to take an inventory. Where have I been? What have I done? What legacy I'm leaving to, to my children? What impact am I making in the, in the body of Christ? How do I plan to spend the rest of my life? That's where Solomon finds himself. He's now old and he's, he's reflecting upon life in general. And he, he, he noticed one thing. He came to one simple conclusion. That after everything he's been through, after all of his accomplishments and all the, the titles and power, and he said, you know what? Everything is all vanity. He's basically saying everything is no more like a, than a, a smoke or vapor. Wow. That's profound, isn't it? This is somebody who have lived for many years. This is somebody who had just about everything. And then he concluded, you know, if I have to be honest with you, and I look back over all these years, he said, and nothing to it. It's all vanity. The book of Ecclesiastes, therefore, he wrote it, and there were three major themes that you will see in that book. Number one, it talks about time. Now he's trying to explain to you why he concluded that all of this don't worth a dime. The first thing he did is to look at time. He said, you know, when I look at life in, in general, one generation comes and one generation goes. In other words, nothing is here forever. He said, the only thing at the end of the day that stays is like the sun, the moon, the mountains, the valley, but everything else is just for a moment. Even if you're a king, even if you're a president, you know how somebody will become a president and everybody hail the king and they talk about him or her as if it's the best thing that ever happened. But the truth be told, 
It's like that person is king for a day. He is basically saying, look, I've been there, got all this power, but now look at me, I'm an old man. I cannot move as I used to move. I cannot do a lot of things. So he said, at the end of the day, it's just one generation comes, one generation goes. It's a time. Time eventually catch up with everybody. So a lot of the debates, a lot of the hustling, a lot of the, the run, run, run. He said, look, you're just wasting your, your time. He said, the truth be told, I don't care how successful you are. I don't care how famous you are. One generation after you, they may never even remember who you are. They may never even heard of you. You'll be surprised. I remember people like Michael Jackson. Man, when that brother gets on the stage, I just could not believe the things that he could do with his body and with his voice. Now, I don't know about you. I love me, Luther Fandros. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> this brother can sing and bring tears to your eyes. But where is he today? Where is Muhammad Ali? I mean, Muhammad Ali will get on the TV. I'm the best. I'm the best. I will knock everybody out. And he sure did knock out a lot of people. But guess what? One generation comes, one generation goes. And what is so amazing is that when a generation goes, a few years later, nobody will remember you. Nobody will remember me. So Solomon is saying, is it really worth all the trouble? See, this is nothing but vapor. You know, the second theory that he espoused, beside the reality of time catching up with all of us, another theory he espoused, number two, is the idea of death. He said he looked at life and he noticed another harsh reality that everybody eventually going to die. So he is saying, it don't matter how rich you are, the reality is that someday you're going to die. It don't matter how rich I am. I hate to tell you, someday I will die. It don't matter whether you're white or black. Hey, don't turn me up. Isn't it funny all these stupid debates we're making? Uh, who is light-skinned? Who is dark-skinned? Who is black? Who is white? Who is more superior than the other? But they at the end of the day, everybody going to die. Black people would die. Guess what? Hello, my white brothers and sisters. You're going to die too. <laughs> Just, no wonder why the Bible says it is appointed unto every person wants to die in thereafter judgment. Solomon is now an old man. He's just looking at life. He said, you know what? It's nothing but smoke. 
This, this ain't nothing but fable. But oh, look at all the trouble we go through. Some people spend so much energy trying to fix their hair, trying to do makeup and look pretty and trying to shave off, to push it in and push it out or, or wear whatever, trying to impress. But at the end of the day, the day will come when each and every one of us will have to meet our maker. It doesn't matter whether you're Democrat or Republican. It doesn't matter whether you are rich or poor. It doesn't matter whether you are old or you're young. I've seen some old graves, but guess what? I've seen some young graves. So Solomon reflected and said, you know what? Death is inevitable. I know you probably be thinking as a man, what a sad book. But just keep listening. There's a lot of good in this book. Another thing that makes Solomon conclude that life is nothing but a quick flash in the pan of fable. He said he also noticed the work of nature. He said, it's easy to tell somebody, if you do this, you do that, you will get this result. But he said he has noticed life is not really like that. He's not contradicting the book of Proverbs. He's just giving us, he's taking us deeper. So it's not, you know how we tell kids, uh, if you want to make it in life, you got to go to school. You got to learn a trade. You can't just, if you stay at home, you'll be a bum. And will you believe some of these kids, they listen to us, they learn a trade, they go to school, but guess what we're not finding out? Just because you do everything right doesn't mean you're going to make it. Wow. Let that soak in. I've seen some Christian people, young ladies, we would tell them, okay, keep your body clean, don't run the street, don't let nobody use you, yada, yada, yada. And if you do it, and then God will send you a beautiful husband or a good-looking brother or a God-fearing. And I've seen some sisters that played by the rule. They did their best to live right. They did their best to keep their body clean. They did their best to live like a good Christian woman. And yet, that don't mean they're going to find a good husband. Some of them even end up in wrong hands. I'm sure at the back of their mind, say, where a minute? Why is it that I try to live right? Why is it that I try to do everything by the book? and I still get the short stick. That's exactly what King Solomon is trying to teach us. That life sometimes is like a chance. Just because you play everything. Can you imagine a young man? I, I, my wife would tell me many times something like this. 
and she's probably watching now. She would tell me, no, you need to eat your vegetables. You need to exercise. You need to diet. You need to. And she would go on and on as, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. But guess what? As much as it's good to do all of that, there's no guarantee that you're going to live long just because you exercise or just because you eat and diet. I've seen some athletes in good shape. They exercise every day, well-conditioned, and yet in the middle of nothing, they drop dead just like that. Then you wonder, wait a minute. I thought he's in good shape. I thought he was exercising. I thought he was eating right. So Solomon is trying to tell us the reality of life is threefold. Number one, time. One generation come, one generation goes. Nothing remains forever. Time will catch up with every one of us. You know how some people live on this planet Earth as if they're here to stay forever? You tripping, man. This world is not our home. We are all just passing through. The second theory that Solomon is, is sharing with us is to say, not only generation come and go, when the next generation come, they may never remember you. You see, like me now, I probably can make a list of some good things I'm doing in this community, in, in my church ministry, or my job, in I have some, some level of influence, to say the least. But who is to say, generation after me will remember my name? Or will even give me credit for anything? Solomon said, nothing lasts forever. Look at all the great leaders of the old. If I, if I mention some names, of black leaders, W.E.B. Du Bois, or even Dr. King, that's, that died only a few decades ago. Some people don't even know what we're talking about. That's what he meant by generation come, generation goes. And he said something else, that all of us, we have appointment with death. We're all going to die someday. So all the trouble, we want to get this big house, we want to get this nice car, we want to dress good. We want to look good. We want to have this tied to this position. He said, nothing really, all that matter. I'll be honest with you, when I read this book, it makes me think seriously about my own life. Because I was like everybody else. I was working hard to accomplish this, to get this done. And I get to a point in my life that I have so many titles, uh, so many accomplishments. I don't say this to brag, but, but you look back, you reflect, you say, all of this. You see, Paul said, they're nothing but dunk. See, some people today, they will see me, they will call me reverend. That's supposed to be big deal. Some people will call me pastor. That's another title. Some people will even call me senior pastor. Then some people will call me attorney because I am a lawyer. 
Then some people call me professor because I am a professor. Some people call me television evangelist because I'm a television. I mean, all, all kinds of titles. Now I'm vice president of my college. It just goes on title, position, status, power. But at the end of the day, Solomon, you say it doesn't worth a dime. Because the truth be told, one day, we're all going to die. And then what will happen to all those titles? What will happen to all those status, all those acclaim? I'm the first to do this. I'm the first to do that. I got this. I got that. It's all nothing. And the third thing that he's saying that I don't want you to miss, he's saying, Solomon is saying, just because you work hard in life, that don't mean you're going to make it. Life is really like a glitch. There's a glitch in life, and you're really living up to chance. Just because you play everything by the rule, that don't mean it's going to work for you. You know how we say the race is giving to the switch. He said, no, the race is not given to the swift. The battle is not always won by the strong. Just because you, 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 you prepare yourself for one thing, that don't mean you're going to get it in life. In other words, life can throw you a curveball. I remember, you know, I, I like to make things simple. I remember one day, uh, one of my deacons, his name is Willie Jackson, we decided to go fishing. He just wanted to spend time with me and entertain me, you know, and just taking care of his pastor. And then he, he had a boat. And then he asked me, he said, Pastor, you ever been in a boat before? I said, no, I've never. I almost say hell no, but I'd never be on a boat. So he shook his head. Said, huh, this is weird. Then he asked me, have you ever been gone fishing before? My answer was the same. <laughs> never been gone fishing. So now he's scratching his head and said, man, what a weird dude. <laughs> but he took me on that boat. I noticed how he looks a little bewildered that I've never been on a boat, I've never gone fishing, I don't know nothing about fishing. But I told him casually, I said, but don't be, don't be, don't be troubled by that. I said, because when we get out there in the water, I will be the first to catch fish. I know you've been fishing for years. I know you're well trained. I know you know where the fish are, you know all the tricks of the game, but I'm still going to whoop you. He looked at me as if, <laughs> Negro, please, what do you know? Sure enough, just to cut the story short, we went there on the, on the boat, and I was doing some other things to irritate the crap out of him. Uh, for example, I was running my mouth just like I'm talking now, and he said, Pastor, you need to know when it comes to fishing, you need to be quiet because when the fish are hearing all your noise, they're going to run away from you. 
But I kept talking. I said, no, the fish like me. They're not going to run away from me. <laughs> so he's just listening to me and thinking, man, this guy is pretty weird. So we got there, and, and he gave me my own pole. And of course, I don't even know how to fix the doggone pole. So I said, fix it for me. He's shaking his head. <laughs> how are you going to catfish? You don't even know how to hook your thing up. So I say, but you watch me. So he hook it up. In his own mind, I'm not prepared. I don't know how to catch fish. I don't know nothing about fishing. I'm just riding along. But guess what? I throw my, my rod or whatever that thing, and my line into the water, and I pull. He was trying to tell me, no, pastor, wait. You got to be patient. I said, you watch me. So I started real, and sure enough, guess what? I got the biggest fish. <laughs> no training, no, no experience, nothing. You know what I'm trying to tell you? Life, there's a lot of chances in life. He is more trained than me. He has more expertise than me. He knows more about the fishing than me, and yet who caught the biggest fish? A novice, me, who've never done it before, who don't even know where I am, don't know the rule of the game. That's how life is sometimes. Have you ever noticed that? Excuse me, sisters. Some ugly sisters who end up with a finest husband. Hello? You see, I can't believe sister so-so and so, we end up with brother so-so and so. The race is not given to the swift. The battle is not always won by the strongest. Sometimes life controls your curveball. Nothing really is is dependable per se in life. Life is like a smoke. Have you ever tried to catch a smoke? It look real, but when you catch it, before you realize it, it will slip through your hands because it's not real. Have you ever tried to catch a bunch of vapor? I know when we were little kids, We'll be doing that. We'll be trying to catch. <laughs> so, but you can't catch it. That's exactly the message from King Solomon about life. You know why he's trying to tell you all of this? So you don't waste your energy on things that don't matter. He's trying to encourage you and me that the most important thing that you and I can do with our life is to fear God and keep his commandments. All this other stuff. Really, oh, if I just get me a job. Oh, if I just get me a husband. Oh, if I just get me a wife. Oh, if we just raise some children. Oh, we want three children. Oh, we want two. Oh, if we can just get us our own house. We well, keep on living. After a while, you get to a point like Solomon and you look back 
And you say, you know what? What a waste of time. I'm getting that point now in my own life. I've accomplished a lot. Like I gave you a list. In fact, there are many other things that I didn't tell you. That by the grace of God, I've managed to accomplish. I mean, to be honest with you, <laughs> this is a true story. One time we were trying to build and bless God and we needed a loan from the bank. And the bank said, well, before I even look at your application, you have to take care of something. You have to pay whoever is your pastor. We don't care who. We don't choose your pastors for you, but you have to, you, you have to pay him well because if we tie up our money as a bank, and the key person, your pastor, run away, then we'll be out of money. We're not stupid. So now my church leaders, they're trying to figure out, okay, how much do we have to pay him? So the bank already have rules that they use in the banking world nationwide for key person of any organization, including churches. So the church was looking at all those criteria and they were shocked. There are five different categories that you look at to determine the salary of a pastor. And they were shocked that on every category, I knocked the ball out of the park. Overqualified. In terms of one of the factors they look at is how long the pastor's been there? I see been there three to five years. Pam, I passed it. They look at how many members do you have? At least 150 people. Pam, knock the ball out of the park. They look at things like your education. Oh, don't even talk about that. Knock it off the park. <laughs> five different areas. So now my deacons are shocked. They say, oh my God. And then the bank now told them, we don't know the name of your pastor. We don't care who is, but anybody that meets all these qualifications, this is how much you have to pay him. And if you don't pay him that much, we're not giving you a loan because we're not going to risk our own money. I'm grateful for all those accomplishments. But today, you know what? I'm becoming like Apostle Paul. I don't dwell on them. It really doesn't matter. What matters is loving God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. Are you listening to me today? That's the message of the book of Ecclesiastes. Now, you might need to know how on earth did Solomon comes to this conclusion. Listen to this very well. So Solomon came to this conclusion because at some point in his life, he was trying to find happiness. Sounds like you, isn't it? Sounds like me, too. He was trying to find success. He was, find, he was trying to find happiness outside of God. Have you ever been in a situation 
Maybe you have, maybe you know. Where you get to a point and say, I'm sick of all this, reading the Bible every day, going to church, having to pray, and mom and dad and anointing my head with oil. You just say, look, I'm sick of all this religion. Then you're trying to find your own happiness outside of God. That's exactly where Solomon was. You're doing it in your way. I'm doing it my way. Sometimes we're doing it and we don't realize that we're doing it. But human tendency they say, you know, I don't feel like going to church today. Like this COVID-19 going on, you'll be amazed how many people will say, no, I don't have to go to church. But they'll go to the grocery store. They'll go on their job to go clock in and clock out for the white man. But when it comes to serving God, oh, I'm too tired. Oh, I don't want to go to church. I might catch coffee. Well, you didn't catch coffee when you went to Walmart. <laughs> so we'll be tripping. We are just like Solomon trying to find happiness outside of God. Solomon went after five things to find happiness for himself. The first thing he went after is wisdom. Solomon went to school after school, got degrees after degrees, surround himself with philosophers of this world, have all this wisdom. And yet, despite all the degrees, despite all the education, he read so many books. You know the conclusion he came to? He's still not happy. Solomon is right. I know many academicians, people with degrees, PhDs, DDD, THD, all kinds of degrees, all kinds of learning. They've read a lot. They've learned a lot. They've got understanding. They've got wisdom. And yet, they're not happy. So he found out wisdom won't do it. Then the next thing that Solomon decided to do is to go after wine. By the way, those of you who are pastors, let me give you a little trick of learning. I'm working with the letter W. You have to learn the trick of the game. Because you might be looking at me and say, man, why is it the pastor is so smart and can just minister and preach. You see, I don't have no book, no Bible, nothing in my head and nothing in my hand, but yet I'm able to reveal to you deep revelations from the Word of God. What is my secret? You, there's a way you can organize your mind and your thoughts so that you're not just reading the Bible. You organize your thoughts so that when you preach or teach, you can make sense to the old and to the young, to the middle age. So for those of you who are pastors, as you're watching, my trick, I'm working with the alphabet W. Solomon went after wisdom. And he got plenty of it. 
But even though he became the wisest man on earth, he found out he was still not happy. Then the next thing Solomon did was to go after wine. You know how you drink wine? Wine in the, in the scripture is symbolic of pleasure. So he thought if he can just have a good time, then he will find happiness. So he started party. You know how you do it. Many of us, you party a lot. You drink a lot. You have a good time. Uh, you go on a vacation, after trip after trip. And after you go to Alaska, you go to California, you go to Europe, you go to Africa. And then after you get back, you still find out you're still not happy. Isn't that something? Wisdom didn't do it for him. Wine, pleasure, partying, having a good time didn't do it for him. The next W I'm working with is that he decided to work. He started to work on different projects. He built big temples. He built big palaces. He was constantly working on a project. By the way, what I'm teaching you now, I've been there. I know what it is to pursue wisdom. Spend years in school. Got an associate degree of art. Got a bachelor's degree. Got a master's degree. Got a doctorate degree. Got a postdoctorate. I mean, just wisdom after wisdom. Just equip my mind with knowledge, with understanding, with, with wisdom. And yet, like Solomon, I found out there's no happiness. Then he started to work on projects. I've been there. You build this and build it. You start. I mean, Solomon built park. He built reservoir. He, I mean, he was he was he built a stadium. He was just different. He was working. He was working. He got architects and carpenters and contractors from all over the world. I remember one time when I took some of my members to go visit Israel. They took us to an area where you see stones from Lebanon, trees from Syria. I mean, they were gathering all these things from different parts of the world, and they were building, they were building, and they were working project after project. But guess what he discovered? It didn't bring happiness. Whoa. Then you know, the next thing Solomon went after to find happiness is wealth. He began to acquire wealth. Wealth, money, silver, gold. Can I tell you something? Theologians, I happen to be one, they believe the net worth of Solomon by the time he died is $2.2 trillion. Are you listening to me? Here we are, we are bickering on millions. Solomon had not just hundreds, not just thousands, not just millions, not just billions. 
it was worth $2.2 trillion. The Bible called him the richest man on earth. He had a bunch of wealth. And yet, you know what? He looked at all those money and he found out it doesn't bring happiness. You mean I'm learning the same. The more money you have, you never get satisfied. You want more. You get a two-bedroom house very soon. You want a three-bedroom. I never will forget. Let me say this. I, I learned this from my wife. Don't tell her I say this. <laughs> we used to live in Baton Rouge, Louisiana in a shotgun house. You can look through the living room and see the whole house, basically. <laughs> and she was not a happy camper. And she would tell me, oh, if we can just have, by the way, it was a one-bedroom house. One bedroom. And she would tell me, oh, this is so small. If I can just have me two-bedroom house, I will be happy, happy, happy. And she would talk about it and talk about it. I pretend as if I don't speak English. I just ignore her. Well, the Lord was gracious. Somewhere along the way, we were able to get a two-bedroom apartment. Oh, you should have seen my wife. She was so happy. You see the big smile on her face. But after a few years, now, it's no longer enough. She wants something bigger. And we go back to the same playbook. Well, the Lord bless us again. We got a three-bedroom house. You would think, man, now we're on cloud seven. No, human nature. No matter where you are. I'm not just talking about my wife. I'm like that too. You like that. All human beings like that. And then we move from three bedroom to four bedroom. Then we move from one house to second house, third house, fourth house, fifth house. You never get satisfied by material things. Only God can satisfy the thirsty of a soul. That's what Solomon is saying. Now I say this with utmost humility. Right now we, we're blessed. We, we, we live very comfortably. We, we, we live in a five-bedroom house. And no shame in my game. God has been good. And you know what? All the kids are grown, you know. Only two people. <laughs> can you find joy in those things? Not really. At some point, you realize that it's just a house. It's just mortar and clay. It doesn't bring happiness. It doesn't satisfy. Solomon found out wealth will not do it. What is the message that Solomon is preaching to you and me? That your happiness is not going to be found in wisdom. Your education your job is not going to do it. Number two, your happiness is not going to be found in wine, meaning pleasure, 
partying, having a good time. Let's go to the casino. Let's go on a cruise. Uh, there ain't nothing wrong to have a good time, but you will never find happiness in that. Number three, let's just be a workaholic. Let's work and work. Let's work on this project. Let's work on that project. Let's, let's build this. Let's construct that. You will find out your happiness is not going to be in work. Number four, he went after wealth. He acquired uh, 401k, 402k, for all this investment. You buy stock, you buy bond, you go, you go salary, five figure, four figure, six figure. At the end of the day, you're still going to find out there's no joy. One more thing that Solomon went after. You see, I've been working with letter W. See, wisdom, wine, work, wealth, and guess what else he went after? Women. Mm-hmm. Don't turn me up. <laughs> Solomon just thought, look, since I can get it through wisdom, since I cannot get happiness through work, since I cannot get happiness through wine, since I can't get it through wealth, maybe women will give me happiness. You will not believe this. The Bible said he has 700 wives. Did you know there are only 365 days in a year? He had at least two women for each day of the year. We talk about our satisfied brother. <laughs> you can tell I'm enjoying myself preaching. I love the word of God. It's so practical. 700 wives. Oh, you think? No, that's impossible. Oh, it, it didn't stop there. Can you, list, can you handle this? In addition to that, Solomon had 300 concubines. I had to go look at, look at what is a concubine? <laughs> I mean, this brother had a woman every 24 hours. 24-7. He had a female, a, a, a sex partner. And guess what? Even with all that, black women, white women, orientals, Asian, Chinese, you got all kinds of color, all kinds of size, all kinds of look. And guess what the conclusion he, he came to when he reflected after life? He said, even that does not satisfy. So I must leave you with this thought. What then will satisfy your soul? What then will satisfy my soul? We get, we go after jobs. We go after nice houses. We go after nice car. We go after uh, pretty skin, good look, long hair, whatever it is. And this man is saying, let me save you the headache. I've been there, done that, got me a t-shirt for you. None of them matters. None of them can satisfy your soul. 
What then will make you whole? What then will make you happy? And the conclusion of the book is that the fear of the Lord and obedience of his commandments is what you need. Let me put it in plain English for you. At the end of the day, if Jesus Christ is not at the center of your life, you will never be happy. I wish somebody would teach me that early in my life, it would have saved me a lot of headache. Oh, a lot of what I've been through, pursuing this, pursuing that. I want to be famous. I want to be great. I want to be successful. I want to be this. I want to go to the moon. I want to go to the star. I want to fly like a bird. Not until I met Jesus Christ. And you know, let me end up on this good note. The day I met Jesus, my life has never been the same again. I am so happy right now. I wish you, you could see my heart. And you know something else? All those stuff, material things, f- fame and fortune, don't matter. Am I saying you shouldn't strive for success in life? No, that's not what I'm saying. I encourage my, my children to succeed. I encourage my church members to succeed. I, I, I love entrepreneur spirit in our church family. Go after opportunities. Pursue your dream. Pursue your vision. But don't forget to have God right at the center of anything you do. Do you need prayer before we go? There's a number under the screen. Dial that number. Ask the ministers on the phone to pray with you. Maybe the Lord has spoken to you. I've learned a lot from the word of God. I'm just sharing my heart with you. And maybe today you're making a decision to make some changes in your life. Call that number. Ask some people to agree with you. And let's believe God together that God will begin to lead you and guide you. Not just you, but your household. Thank you for joining with me this evening. May God bless you until we meet again. Amen.